0: Come aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith.
1: I'm David Bax. And thank you for
0: listening. David.
1: Yes. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing, uh, all right, I guess. I'm staying sane. Uh, uh I, I think. Yeah. yeah. Still sane, still healthy, still employed. Uh, my, uh, my brother tested negative for the coronavirus. So that's good. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, he works at a hospital in St. Louis had to, had to be tested. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think I'm doing okay. Yeah, uh, I'm,
0: I'm starting to, uh, nothing is that different in my life from day to day, but I'm starting to lose it a little bit. Um, like the other day, I stubbed my toe, and it might as well have been like a, a good friend died. Like uh, I didn't necessarily start crying, but I was like, like, the amount that I yelled in proportion to the amount of pain I felt was unreasonable.
1: That's funny. I, yeah, like I'm, I'm so lucky that I get to the risk of being corny. Like I'm locked up here with the person I would most in the world want to be, uh, locked up with. And we have not like had any significant fights at all. Uh, my wife and I, um, which, which is good. The closest we came is a similar thing. Something that was not important. And that almost got tense is that I was doing a few loads of laundry Mm -hmm. and she, was like, can I throw some of my stuff, it, just some odd garments into your laundry? And I wanted to, because I had like a few loads to do, I wanted to split up her things. Like I'll put a few in each of my loads. And she was like, no, just put it all in the first one so I can have my stuff back. And I was like, oh, you're going to dictate to me how I should do my laundry? <laughs> that was the closest it came. Uh, and then I kind of realized like, this is, this is ridiculous. Uh, uh, but I am such, it's part of it is I'm such a creature of habit the Trader right. Joe's the the Trader Joe's is like there's a, there's some new wrinkle every week when you go now
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the new thing is that they have like arrows on the floor they only want you to go one way to help like keep people from running oh, into yeah, each other yeah. and going and the way they want me to go is not the way that I have walked through trader joe's every saturday for the past like nearly decade and i literally like didn't know how i was like i almost forgot salad dressing like i I couldn't find shit because it wasn't my it's normal usually, path. it's on
0: your left and now yeah, it's on that's, your right
1: that's almost exactly the truth is that i'm such a creature of habit that the slightest thing uh, really throws me off. Might uh, I suggest,
0: uh, go to food for less. They don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I do. I'm walking around, I'm rubbing my hands on people's faces and they're like, yeah, Yeah. we're food for less. We get it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Food for less used to be my, my joint when I lived uh, over in, uh, little (laughs) Armenia, the, the food for less at sunset and Western, which to remind people this is a movie podcast is where the original Fox lot was back in 1916 or whenever that. whenever, uh, Fox started sunset and Western. Now it's a food for less and a technical college and a McDonald's.
0: All right. I think it's probably doing more good now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that space. Um, okay. Well, now that we know how we're doing listeners in the comments, feel free to say how you're doing uh, positive or negative. Do you have any fun stories? Any deeply disturbing ones whatever either way like you know we're all in this together and no judgment
1: right and uh meanwhile hey while, while i've got you here before we get to our um uh, our, our guest, I want to tell you about tweaked You see tweaked is where you go for pro- professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. And I use them each and every day of our lives. I'm literally using them as we speak and they're working great. Um, you, they're available at a little, uh, Oh, you know what I was listening to? I Today I was listening to, I don't know uh, the same s- stuff I've been listening to. I don't know about you, Tyler, my wife and I are completely on completely different like paths as far as this. Since the quarantine, she only listens to podcasts. She's like, I haven't listened to music. I haven't listened to podcasts. She wants to hear other people's voices. Mm-hmm. I, like, not being able, I don't want to, like, uh, I, I can't wrap my head around the idea that the outside world is still going on for anyone else. So I'm only listening to music. I'm, like, weeks behind on every podcast. Um, and uh, a lot of my time has been taken up listening to, have you heard any of the new Bob Dylan stuff, including the 17-minute song Murder Most Foul? Uh, no,
0: I heard about that song. And of course, I'm intrigued. Um, it's great.
1: I listened to it so many times, including while I was walking the dog today. It's great. When Bob Dylan decides to ramble on, it's always interesting
0: and often quite funny.
1: Yeah, there's funny stuff. It's a song about the Kennedy assassination. I don't know if you, I don't know if you knew that. That's true. I didn't um, know,
0: but I'm, I'm much more intrigued now.
1: Um, but he also manages to work in all sorts of other uh, uh, stuff like Wolfman Jack and Stevie Nicks, and he even references Nightmare on Elm Street at one point. <laughs> um, it's a delightful song. It sounded great at my tweaked earbuds that are available at a low, low price at tweaked audio.com. but for you go, if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweaked and use the offer code pretension.
2: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Tyler? Yes? Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. Who's our guest?
0: So uh, a couple weeks ago, listeners might recall that we had uh, Matt Belknap on the show, um, and we failed to acknowledge that he was our first ever guest on the podcast. And today, I believe we have... I think it was our second guest ever.
1: Is that right? Uh,
0: I believe so. Um, I I remember uh, back when we, uh, we would only ever record uh, guest episodes in like a rented space Mm
2: -hmm.
0: so that we looked more professional. (laughs) Um, And then we would book that space. And so we would try to uh, uh, hammer out just like a lot of, uh, a lot of guest episodes in a row. So I believe this was our in that first this guy today was in, in sure. that first group. and it is, uh, it's been too long because he moved away, but uh, we're trying to utilize uh, Zoom. It is, in fact, the king of TV, Paul Goebel.
2: Hi everybody. Thanks for having me on the show, guys.
0: How you doing, Paul?
2: I'm good. I really appreciate you uh, reminding everyone that this is a movie podcast by giving us some really boring information. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no there's no bigger indicator of a movie podcast than information nobody wanted or cared about.
0: Uh, yes. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. Thank you. <laughs> um... I got I gotta say this. Speaking of fucking Trader Joe's. <laughs> In the four years that I have left uh, California, a lot has happened in the world, clearly. And I was right from the beginning when I said, if Donald Trump is elected, people are going to die. And here we are, and it's fucking true. But more importantly, I have been saying for years that Trader Joe's needs to make their aisles one fucking way because that's why i hate that place the (laughs) aisles are too fucking small and i can't go up and down the way i want to now that they're all one way it's actually manageable unfortunately (laughs) unfortunately i'm not going to leave the house just to buy some shit from trader joe's so uh, oh
1: that's a dig at me
2: then it doesn't i'm just saying i'm i'm privileged enough that i don't have to leave my house for food i can get it brought to me oh big spender over here among other things
1: well, yeah. I, wanted to, I wanted to point out, uh, Paul, that it, uh, it, it makes sense we're having you back on in this, in this way, because not being person-to-person doing this over Zoom means that the audio quality is almost as bad as the King TV podcast.
2: <laughs> oh, shit! Damn! Wow, that is an old-school burn. But, but still on par with the Hey, Watch This podcast yeah yeah
1: yeah about about like that yeah
2: <laughs> okay that's uh. good well so um, between,
0: between like... the three of us how many podcasts have we had i've oh. had there's bp obviously and then i had more than one lesson and then i had uh, worth playing for which i uh, hosted for a short time with my wife the survivor podcast so that's three for me
2: okay yeah three I, for
1: me too because i had this one hey watch this and previously on okay
2: yeah well i did i did the paul gobel show and then hey watch this and then i had uh my brief interviews with the opposite sex podcast oh yeah right uh for a short time and then i did one i did a couple after i moved out here but those were just stuff i did so i could meet people those weren't real podcasts i mean they were produced and people were listening to them but the objective was so i could meet other comedians out here and stuff like Mm. that so that, that the one the first one was called comedians in drive shame eating and drive-thrus yeah it was called comedians shame eating and drive-thrus and and uh, and i had like kyle Kinane was on when he he came through and the two of us went to whataburger and uh and i had uh jim on and those guys when they uh, when they visited but i had a lot of local comics on and then i did another one with my friend steve mandel called uh uh i've seen where have i seen this before and it was two two guys who are around 50 years old talking about how they've seen all this shit before so uh and that was fun but uh after i did we did about six episodes and then we decided we were too old for that shit rigs well
1: <laughs> what was the one you never did that what was the one that was like uh a wine there was about like drinking a bottle of oh, wine while watching right. something that one i did oh, bottle, actually, episode, yeah. bottle episode yes
2: i forgot about that i did that one with brock uh Bottle episode is what it was called. And those had video, uh, uh, as well. And, uh, that was where me and Brock and a guest would drink a bottle of wine and watch a bottle episode of a TV show. We did Friends. We did Breaking Bad. Uh, we did, uh, like, again, we did like six episodes. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. The best thing about that was the, was the theme song though. I, I had uh, I had somebody professionally do the theme song for that show. So it's like a it's like a Full House uh, theme song. It's really fucking good. I'll send it to you guys so you can, okay. you, can you can include it in this episode.
0: <laughs> sure, sure. We'll yes. absolutely cut to anything you want us to.
2: Dude, when you, when you hear this song, you will go, yeah, once again, all was right.
0: First that that Trader Joe's thing, and now this uh, random-ass uh, podcast theme.
2: Well, first the Donald Trump will end up killing people thing. I said that four years ago. Let's not forget.
0: Right, and you were the lone person. Yeah, you were
2: the thing. only
1: person saying that. Nobody the would listen.
2: <laughs> Clearly word? nobody fucking listened. <laughs> I'll say this, there obviously weren't enough people saying it.
0: You should have done a little uh, six episode podcast devoted to it and then people would have listened
2: well that certainly would have solved problems wouldn't it <laughs> if anything's going to solve the world's problems it's another white guy doing a fucking podcast <laughs> well
0: we do tend to do the best ones but anyway um, so uh, so Paul I you know you're still you're still watching TV I assume and watching movies and that sort of thing what have you been uh, what have you been watching lately?
2: Uh, pretty much everything. Uh, there's, there's very little, I mean, especially now, you know, there's very little that I don't watch. I'm, I'm, I'm going back. If you have Hulu now is a, well, if you don't have Hulu now is a good time to get it because first of all, they just partnered with FX. So any show that's on FX is also on Hulu, including all their old shows. Uh, so that's huge. If you like, if you never had access to FX before you can watch all those fucking Ryan Murphy shows Feud and all that stuff. So that's pretty great. Plus they have a lot of uh, foreign shows like from England and oh. Australia and New Zealand. And some of them are very, very good. One of them I like a lot is the show called No Activity, which is on here in America, but it's on CBS All Access. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the original CBS All Access show produced by Will Ferrell and those guys. Uh, but the premise is it's these two cops who sit in a car and watch and nothing ever happens. There is no activity, and sometimes it cuts to the warehouse where there's dudes in there, the warehouse that they're watching, and they're just sitting around talking, and it's all a bunch of shit that happens, but nothing ever happens. It's a, in the, the American version is Tim Meadows and one of the original guys from the Australian version, um, but you can watch the original Australian version on, uh, on Hulu, and they did three seasons. It's really funny. Um, obviously, CBS All Access, you have to pay for it, uh, but I will say this, if you ca- if you're fancy like me and you want to pay for all the streaming services, CBS all access is definitely one to pay for because as far as original shows go, they probably have the best, uh, like the card and the good fight. And like I said, no activity and stuff like that. They probably have the best original shows that you have to pay for. I mean, other streaming services, like obviously Disney plus has a Mandalorian, just mm-hmm. fucking amazing, but you know, that's it you know i know i'm sure a lot of people when the mandalorian was over canceled their disney plus subscription right considering it was pr- practically free to sign up for anyways um so i'm watching all that stuff i'm i'm watching all the original shows uh for the most part you know what show i liked that i didn't like uh that uh is zoe's infinite playlist you guys Which my- you liked <laughs> yeah. it say I that love- again <laughs> It's a show that I liked, but I didn't like. I don't like the fact that I like it, I guess is my <laughs> point. Actually, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> you know, you, do you have you watched the show? No. no. Oh, okay. So you would get it if you watched it. The premise is um, Jane Levy is the star of the show. Uh, she used to be on Suburgatory. The premise is she has something going on in her brain where she can, she's basically an intuitive. She can intuit people. She's very empathic and she can basically intuit what people are thinking and feeling, but the way it manifests itself is in a big musical number. She may be in the middle of having a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden they start singing and dancing. And that song is uh, obviously a representation of what they're feeling at the time. And in some cases, it's just a heightened version of exactly what they're saying to her. And in some cases it's the exact opposite of what they're saying because it's their inside feelings. And, uh, and, and that, I, I thought that was kind of interesting cause it's, I've never seen that before, but also her dad played by Peter Gallagher has like this uh, de- degenerative disease. I'm not, I, I can't remember what it is. So he, he can't even talk or move. And yet every once in a while he will bust out in the song because <laughs> she is, she is seeing it that way. So are they orig- original songs? No, it's all covers. So it's very much like Glee in that.
1: More way. like Glee, more like Glee yeah. than Crazy Ex-Girlfriend.
2: Right. More like Glee, less like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, because, again, after every song, like unlike Crazy X girlfriend where it was like a musical where the they're not real musical numbers uh, on this one, you know, she, ever, after every number, she stops and looks around. You know what I mean? Like, has to make sure, OK, I'm back in the real world. So mm-hmm. it's that kind of thing. And she's told a couple people and speaking of Glee, uh, that trans uh, young lady from Glee is on this show. Ah, uh, the African American one who with the amazing voice. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. I can't yeah. remember
1: her name. I can. I can't remember her name either. I can picture. Yeah,
2: her. but but she's on the show. So and and also, what's his name? Skylar Aston. So there's a lot of oh. talented people on the show. I mean, and see, that's a I, crazy
1: ex-girlfriend connection.
2: There you go. Yeah. So so it, and uh, Lauren Graham is on it. So mm-hmm. I don't know why you're not watching it, David. It's got all your favorites.
1: It it certainly does. I'm getting back into into TV during this this quarantine. I've been uh, talking. A lot about. Yeah, Obviously, I've been, lot of- watching, I've been watching. I've watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, but uh, speaking of uh, FX on Hulu, um, I'm hoping you agree with me, Paul, because I've been trying to convince Tyler uh, of how good Better Things is this season. Um, after what I considered kind of a weak season three,
2: I had to st- I had to stop watching Better Things after uh, Louis C.K. was revealed to be a scumbag.
1: But he's not involved anymore. I mean, his name's still on, on it, but he, he's not yes. writing anything anymore.
2: And every time I see his name, it makes me feel bad. So I'd rather not watch the show. It's a personal thing. I'm not ah. saying anyone else needs to worry about it, but I don't have an opinion about the show because I stopped watching it because I didn't want to see his name anymore.
0: You know what? That's why I don't watch it. It's not because it's it's not because uh, up until recently I had not heard of it. It's it's that other thing. It's the more virtuous thing that you're talking about.
1: Sure. So v- not, virtuous. But here we you. are, Louis C.K still harming women's careers because the king of (laughs) tv is not watching pamela Adlon's show
2: yeah because she needs my help you just said it's in its third fucking season fourth it's in its fourth yeah i think she's doing okay okay (laughs) she certainly doesn't need my help and also i'm not shitting on the show either i'm like you know there's if, if like he had a show that was still on i would actively shit on it but uh, I'm not shitting on the show. It's I just can't watch it. And when it was on, I fucking loved it. Those yeah. kids on the show were amazing. Yeah,
1: those, they're great. Those
2: kids playing her daughters. That was fucking great. And I liked seeing Diedrich Bader in a less silly role. That was amazing. And and I liked the fact that it was you know it was based on her real life being an actress in L.A. Obviously, I I connected with that. But at the end of the day, I couldn't watch it anymore.
1: That's too bad. Did you you better last week's episode? He had a a great, uh, a great monologue a very moving monologue. Speaking of not a silly role.
2: Yeah. Uh, But I still get to watch him on American housewife and old episodes of Batman brave in the bowl. So,
0: you know, he's, he's one of those guys that I, I mean, I think I first became aware of him. Well, probably first on that uh, terrible Beverly Hillbillies uh, film adaptation, but then (laughs) on the, then on the Drew Carey show and then office space. And he's just one of the, there are a handful of people, both in movies and and on TV, that if I see that they're in it, uh, I definitely perk up. And I think that that like, okay, well, we at least know that that a fraction, whatever fraction of the film or, or show he's on, at least that's going to be good and yeah. and entertaining. He's just he's always been that reliable uh, presence to me.
2: And what's funny about Diedrich Bader is he, uh, he's just an actor, you know, he's not, he's never been the star of a show. Mm-hmm. He's never like produced a show or they've never made a sitcom based on his life. He's just a funny supporting actor. And obviously he cemented that during uh Drew Carey show, mm-hmm. but ever he's like, there's, I think ever since like the first show he did was a show called the searcher, which was part of an anthology show called danger theater. And it was uh it was a parody of cop shows and he was the searcher he was like the equalizer he wore leather and rode a motorcycle but it was really fucking funny and uh it didn't go anywhere but since then he has been on tv like almost on a steady basis even after the drew carey show went off the air like the very next season he was on this new show with john goodman that didn't last but every every season he's on a new show even if it's doing a voice like i said even if it's you know he, he does Batman on a lot of uh, animated shows. Uh, and like I said, all of the episodes of Batman, Brave and the Bold. So it, it's funny to me that a guy who works so much, and even in films like Office Space, who works so much can be, you know, not he never had his own show, never starred in a movie. I mean, Craig Ferguson starred in his own movie, right? Yeah, yeah, and, had his own, and had his own TV show. So... Uh, uh, as opposed to you know Ryan Styles, who I've always thought was about half as talented as Diedrich Bader, <laughs> he's off doing his improv crap, but man Diedrich Bader's the shit.
1: <laughs> All the so, more reason to watch better things.
2: Yeah, I guess so. Is so, there a, what other shows are you guys arguing about?
1: Okay, well, okay we don't we don't watch any of the same shows. Yeah, that
0: wasn't an argument. It was literally I had not heard of the show and David somehow saw that as an affront to him, uh, and just Gosh. wouldn't, wouldn't stop giving me well, shit. About. Well, here's why, why it was week. after
1: a week. Here's why it was, uh, an, an, an affront. And this is like, uh, airing, uh, private stuff on the, so, Multiple times while I was doing this catch up, like on this binge on better things, I had texted you like, hey, on this episode of better things, Sam's daughter is starting college at Columbia College, Chicago, which is yeah. our alum. And then I was like, oh, there's a, on this episode of better things. Uh, there's a wedding where someone uh, at the reception, someone sings this great Tom Waits song that I know you love. And you were like, and you responded to me. So it wasn't until like the third or fourth time that I brought up the show, better things <laughs> that you admitted to me that you'd never even heard. Of it. So that's why I think you were so shocked, is that we had talked about the show without you admitting that you hadn't heard of it. That's the thing
0: is, you know, you were burying the lead. I'm, you say Columbia College or Tom Waits, that's what I'm going to remember. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not going to think about the venue in which you, uh, you heard or saw this stuff.
2: What shows are you watching, Tyler, that you are telling David he should watch? Uh,
0: I did. I finished watching Avenue 5 uh, on HBO. Did you see that?
2: Yeah, it's pretty good. It, it's it, pretty good. It started out a little slow for me, but then, uh, you know, like all these shows that already have a whatever 16, 12 episode commitment, yeah. it, it eventually picked up and I thought the acting, especially Hugh Laurie, was fucking dynamite. Yeah. And Susie Nakamura, probably the funniest thing I've ever seen her do. Um, uh, I, but I, I
0: don't th- remember the actress who plays Karen, but I really yeah. like what, she, what she's doing.
2: And it's really kind of, it's funny because, I, I mean, obviously it's, they took this, you know, at the time when they were making the show, this whole idea of the of Karen was just a tiny joke, a gag, a meme, yeah. if even that. And now it's become the biggest example of white woman privilege uh, uh, that we've ever seen, yeah. which is fucking great because, like you said, that character is exactly that. In fact, I would say she's she's actually better than an actual Karen because at one point she realizes she has to do what's best for everyone on the ship and not just for herself, <laughs> which, is, yes. which is funny because it's really the only transformative moment on the show. Everyone else is pretty much who they are from beginning to end.
0: Well, if anything, if there's any transformation, they just get worse.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> one,
0: thing that I, one thing that I love uh, is that, so Zach Woods is on the show and I'm a big fan of his from Silicon Valley. And what I like is that, because it's about this, uh, this intergalactic cruise liner, essentially, and then they get knocked off course, and so they're going to be stuck together for like three and a half years, whereas it was going to be a couple weeks or whatever. Uh, and he is, uh, I don't know what, he's essentially like a concierge, so it's his job to make sure the passengers are happy. And what I like is when the show starts, he's already on the edge. Like, nothing has even gone wrong yet. But yeah, he's, and he's already exhausted by having to do his job.
2: Yeah, and, then, and he's not that good at it. He, yeah. He's clear. He's clearly in over his head. Which yeah. eventually you find out everybody is. The whole fucking project is in over its head. But yeah, yeah I think it's you know it's obviously it's uh, Ianucci. So it's it's very much like the thick of it in Veep. Yeah, uh, in in that sense where there's a bunch of people talking and the shit they say to each other is sometimes so. Biting and so you know, just so very perfectly on point and funny. Yeah, uh, it's and it and it's well it's well done. I think the casting could have been a little better, but for a, a like a brand, this was a, like a brand new project. You know, yeah. I think uh, I think it's a it's a it's a big hit. I think I
0: had a good. hard I had a hard time binging it. Like I Jen and I would watch like two episodes and I'd be like, I need to take a break because it's, funny yeah. though. It is it is stressful.
2: There's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird because there's a couple shows that I'm watching now that I uh, will like Insecure. I don't know if you guys watch Insecure on HBO. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I, I do. Know. Yeah. Finally, I
1: exactly. can talk again.
2: Okay. <laughs> uh, when, when it premiered, I watched it and went, oh, this is like black people. Okay. And, uh, and I watched a couple more and went, all right, if I don't watch, if I don't get this, it's not a bad thing. It's not really for me. So I didn't watch it. But But now it's in its, I guess it's, fourth season just premiered, and I thought, "Yeah, hey, I'll check it out." And I found that being able to binge it made it so much more interesting hmm. because I really don't have a stake in any of these people's relationship. I can bear; I might as well be watching people on another planet as far as their experience goes. Uh, you know, obviously, I get it, and it's super interesting to me, but I don't relate to it in hardly any way. So, being able to binge it like that allows me to just watch it more like, wow, this is fucking amazing. And and then I can also count how many times they say the N-word. It's fucking crazy to me how many times they get away. I mean, of course, say it as many times as you want, but as a white man, I just go, holy shit, how many other people watch this and feel uncomfortable? Because yeah. they call each other, they call people they like, people they hate, inanimate <laughs> objects, dogs, trees god their parents everybody is the n-word it's It's funny you mention that
1: because i i i really like insecure i think this season got off to a rough start but i really like this most recent episode the uh the thanksgiving episode i don't know if you watched it yet uh paul from this past sunday really good and i love seeing molly's family because uh her mother is played by l scott caldwell who played rose on lost and her youngest brother is walt from Lost. Oh um, shit! I didn't
2: recognize you. Yeah, now you say that. I, that's right. I totally um, didn't recognize that kid.
1: But no, the thing about the use of the N word, I was thinking about it when I was watching season three, especially the season three finale, which takes place at a um, uh, Hollywood Forever Cemetery screening. Um, it's a very LA show, um, <laughs> and I was thinking about how like there are certain comic like comedians who like say they don't use whatever, you know, they don't work, you know, Brian Regan's or whatever, they don't cuss or whatever. But sometimes there are certain jokes where it's funnier to say fuck in the middle of the joke. All right. Right. And, and so there are jokes in insecurity that I, I can't fully repeat that are, but they're funnier because, and there's a, there's a joke in the, in that Hollywood, uh, the when the, the cemetery screening, where the movie's about to start and uh Lawrence has come over to say hi to Issa, his ex-girlfriend. They're sort of like reconnecting and learning to be friends. And he's standing there, and the movie's starting, and the, a guy behind him is like, you, you know, sit down or whatever. And he's like, all right. Oh, and he sits down, and they talk for a little bit, and he's like, all right, got to go up and get up and, and go back to my blanket and, 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 and my friends whatever. And, and he's standing up, and they're saying goodbye. And the same guy before goes, you ain't a window, N-word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: I laughed so hard.
1: Yeah, me too. It's funnier
2: because of that. And it, Yeah, and it's also because I'm, I'm, I've never been, but I'm sure you guys have been. One of you guys have been to Hollywood forever to see a movie, right? Many times. Okay, so it's not a black thing. That's the other thing that I find funny. Um, they go to see and, uh, and The Last Dragon, which is obviously a black movie, but the cemetery is not a black thing. Uh, in fact, because of the part of town it's in, it's just primarily a white thing. It's a lot of fucking white, young white people go to it. But obviously, in this version, because they're showing the last dragon, a lot it was a lot of black people. But I find it funny because. Had
1: well, and the implication was that this this was an event put on by someone other than the people who do. This was specifically aimed at the black uh, at, at a black audience because uh, one of the organizers has become a recurring character on season four. Uh, okay. Candola. So, right just some backstory there.
2: There you go, if you're not watching the show. But I'm sure in all the times you have been there, nobody has ever even yelled at you to sit down, let alone called you a name. Right? Yeah. 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 They have never said, hey, nerd, glasses, get the fuck out of the way. Right? No that's one's. Right. Ever- I, think,
0: I think nerd glasses is not going to be specific
2: enough. <laughs> yeah, not fair. But that's what I that's one of the things I love about the show is because Uh, that this is just uh, it's such a cultural thing the way they talk and even just simple things like like phrases like that's what's up or for real the way you know just the idiomatic stuff it's obviously it's a completely foreign uh foreign uh world to me i fucking grew up in arizona you know I I didn't have a lot, I had a lot of black friends when I was a kid in Michigan, not so much growing up in Arizona. Uh, And so, uh, but it's amazing to me also because after living in L.A. for 20 years, I like to watch shows that take place very obviously in L.A. Mm -hmm. And and that show does. Another one I like to watch for the same reason, although it couldn't be a more different show, is The Rookie with Nathan Fillion. I don't know if you guys watch that. Uh, Because they're L.A. cops. So they go all over L.A., which is really nice. And uh, one of the cool things about that show is uh, obviously all the cops wear body cams. So they often use the body cam footage as Hmm. part of the show, which is kind of neat. But it's funny uh, that I watch both those shows for similar reasons, even though they couldn't be any more different. Uh, You know, one's about a white cop and one's about a bunch of black people. Now, the more I watch it, I have to resist the urge to go, So this is like Black Sex in the City, right? Because honestly, the more it goes on, it becomes a show about this young lady and her relationships, her friend who has similar uh, problems with relationships, although very different, and she has a very different career. Her other two friends who also are very different, one of which is married and is having a baby. I mean, that sounds very familiar, doesn't it?
1: No, I see what you're saying, and then the, like there's a Samantha certainly with the the, the Kelly crazy one. Character. Yeah. yeah, I can see that dynamic playing out, but I think the way that I think Insecure this is going to sound like I, I love Six Sex and the City, but Insecure I think it has more of a it's grounded in a version of reality. It's still a little bit sort of there's some wish fulfillment type type stuff, but it it it's still. Feels like people coming from different, you know, economic backgrounds, and 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 people being a little bit more uh, flawed. I think is a big part of what makes insecure. I think I don't want to say better than Sex and the City. I know people love Sex and the City, but uh, a, a lot of the times um, that that show is, I think, a little bit too much. Like. There's your, you know, there's your Carrie and your Samantha and your Charlotte and, uh, and, uh, yeah. well, uh of- and, and they, and they never sort of, and they sort of like had the characters defined and them just sort of stuck with that and things happened to yeah. them. And there's some of that on in insecure too, but a lot of what, a lot of the things that befall the characters in insecure happen because of their own inner failings and their flaws.
2: Yeah, well, I think Sex and the City was at a disadvantage eventually because the show got so popular that they kind of had to write in a certain way. I'm sure there was times when someone said, like when Samantha had cancer all of a sudden, that was a big deal. And that could have kind of, that could have screwed up the show and certainly her character. Because eventually people love these characters so much they don't want to see them change at all because they're more than characters. They're fucking slot machines and lunchboxes and stuff. So, and I think... Obviously, insecure is has the luxury of not being super popular so they can get away with more stuff like that, and people are less precious about their characters. But also, I think I think it's just uh, to, to your point about it being better and more realistic. It's just because they're all people of color is the thing, and they live in, <laughs> and they live in fucking Inglewood. I'm sorry, but a show about four successful white women living in New York City, who can fucking relate to that? <laughs> Honestly, who can relate to that? But- well, I
0: I can, but it, you wouldn't think it. But I <laughs> I watched that show. I'm like, that's me. That's my life every single day.
1: You were
2: all four of them, <laughs> weren't you? Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, my I guess my um uh my favorite storyline from all of Sex and the City was when Carrie they had she and Big had broken up, but then she started like seeing him again but while he was with someone else do you remember that like so she's like the other woman and eventually she sort of has to confront that she's the bad guy in that situation that's my favorite storyline in sex in the city because it's the most uh complicated and and carrie is the bad guy and i feel like insecure does storylines like that a lot
2: yeah well it's, i mean Issa and molly i mm-hmm. mean they've made it clear now the two of them are damaged uh You know, unlike Carrie, who was clearly damaged and no one ever had the balls to say to her, (laughs) you know what? You're a, you're kind of a bad person. Uh, The way you cheat on people and use people and like that. Maybe you need to fucking look at yourself instead of complaining about dudes. Issa and Molly constantly say to each other, what the fuck is your problem? (laughs) Like, like that, like that episode where before Molly was going to date that Asian guy and she said, I just know I'm going to end up with a black guy. So what's the point? That's a real thing. It sounds ridiculous, but it's a real thing that both men and women who are dating think, and it's a problem that you think, holy shit, am I going to end up alone? Do I need to only date a particular group of people so I can find my forever person? Or am I being too dumb and will I miss my forever person? I mean, that's, this is existential fucking drama, right? And it's something that we can all relate to regardless of your social situation. And I think that's the key about the show. And, you know, like I said, when I first watched the show, I didn't see that for myself. But being able to binge it now, I see all of that. And I recognize parts, not parts myself, but I can connect, rather, with all those characters on mm-hmm. one thing or another. I think my favorite part is it happens in the first season and it kind of, they, they never let go of it, is when Issa cheats on her live-in boyfriend Mm -hmm. it 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 sets up basically their relationship for the whole rest of the show but it's a huge deal because you as a viewer are forced to come to terms with the fact that you really liked her and she did this super shitty thing that nobody should ever do and you have to reconcile that (laughs) as a viewer and and then on the other side he kind of seemed like a hump you know, not, not doing anything and being a dick yet. He was 100% wrong. In fact, didn't he have a chance to sleep with someone else? And he didn't just to make that clearer. I think,
1: I think there's something like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so you as a viewer are forced to go, uh, I picked the wrong side here. And I think the show is good in that it shows all sides uh, of, of that part, that part of life dating and shit like that. Well, I'm must- like, unlike Sex and the City, which did not do that. It took a long time for Big to be a sympathetic character.
0: I've not seen uh, any of Insecure. Jen has, Jen's watched it and she's a big fan of Sex and the City. Um, But uh, she's watched a couple seasons of it and she really likes it. And I've heard nothing but good things. And it was just like, I don't know. I have a hard time starting a new show when I know that there are several seasons of it because then it's just like, Oh boy, this is going to be a commitment. Um, like yeah. also, especially if I'm watching it by myself, like if I'm watching something with Jen then it's like, okay, well, this is just a fun thing we do. But if yeah. it's me by myself, it's like, ah, am I ready to commit to this? Also, I know That sounds silly, but no,
2: I agree. Cause also it's still running because so yeah. what I, I was able to binge the first three seasons and Go, Oh shit, this is great. Well now I'm stalled. Now mm-hmm. I have to wait every week, just like every other jag off. And I don't want to <laughs> do that.
1: But it's I'm also fucking, at least, uh,
2: VIP, man, don't they know that
1: at least insecure is like your half hour-ish run times because uh, Natalie and I, like Natalie and I binged, uh, like Shits Creek and insecure and better things and transparent, like all in a row. And now yeah. we're finally watching crazy ass girlfriend and it's a great show, but it's like, it feels like it's taking us forever because the episodes are twice as long.
2: Yeah. It's strange what it, I mean, cause the truth is it's, it's not, it, I mean, 20 minutes going from 30 to 20 minutes is really huge it's like watching things in an instant it's like watching things while you took a shit it's so fast and yet watching things that are 45 minutes sometimes are so fucking excruciating but that's the great thing about binging is that when it's a half hour show you can get through an entire season in one evening especially because you know so many shows in the first season are only like six episodes or so uh and 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 that's that's the great thing thing about those half hour shows oh shit speaking of that are you guys watching dave on fx no uh, it's
0: i've i've seen enough trailers for
2: it
1: it intrigues me i was so turned off by the bus stop ad yeah Yeah.
2: (laughs) the thing is i don't it's weird because it's all about this real guy named dave berg who's a rapper and he raps under the name little dicky and uh he was discovered by scooter Braun, who's you know justin bieber's agent Hmm. just he discovered okay. Justin Bieber as well. So he's a, like a legit rapper as far as the, the rap world goes. And he has this problem. I, I think it was a birth defect where he basically has two pee holes on his penis. He was born with a strange problem and they did an operation. And it's not a big deal, but it's, part, it, 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 it's, it's a big part of his character. Like he has to sit down when he pees. That's all. That's the only problem. He just has to sit down when he pees because he has a weird penis but that's why his name is little dicky and that's why his first big hit single was my dick sucks now this is all true <laughs> this is all real stuff about this guy dave okay. birch so the show is a lot like seinfeld in that it's it's about him he plays himself he is a rapper and he has uh, wh- one of his best friends growing up is a producer who makes beats from it uh, for him and he's black so they have a special relationship his roommate is andrew santino who eventually becomes his manager. So they have that relationship. He has a girlfriend. And then uh, he has this hype man named Gata, who is the fucking best character in the past 20 years uh, because he's a hype man. But he's also, I mean, like imagine Flava Flav but living his normal life, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Talking to people. Uh, and then it, there's this whole episode about Gata where it's revealed that he has, that he's bipolar. And it gets really fucking serious and i'm like oh my god i've never been so seen by a tv show before and the show does these out of the box things like you would expect from a show on fx uh uh just shit that like you've never seen on a show before and it's it's like i said it's completely out of the box in terms of the way they're producing the show but you watch it and go, this can't be real. And yet, because it is, because he's a real dude and he actually has a real song and a career and all it's like that. It's like, it's like, if you were watching Seinfeld and going, this guy's not a real comic, is he? And you hadn't heard about Seinfeld already. It's uh-huh. like, it's like that cause he's real good. And in this last episode was the fucking best. He, he, he made a deal with this, with this, uh, with the recording company and he had the song that he wanted to release. And it was like this real hardcore R Kelly thing about going to prison and having to suck a dude off. And, and they're like, <laughs> and they're like, well, no, we can't release this. And he's like, well, I'm the artist and I made it clear I'm going to do what I want. So then he goes on the breakfast club with Charlemagne the God, you know, that, that radio show podcast. No, you never heard, you don't know who Charlemagne the God I've is? I've
1: heard of Charlemagne the okay. God.
2: Well, he has, this, this morning radio's podcast show called The Breakfast Show or The Breakfast Club. So he goes on it and he wants to play it and like release it, uh, but then he does it and instead he just spits this fucking rhyme and the funny thing is if you didn't know, if you thought he was just a dude playing a rapper when he starts rapping all of that goes away, you realize oh my god, this guy's really fucking good. And that's all part of the show because he's this Jewish, weird looking Jewish dude with curly hair and a speech impediment. And he insists on it, calling himself Dave and not little Dickie. So nobody takes him seriously. But at the end of the day, he's really a fucking good rapper and it's crazy to watch. And the show is only half hour long. So you can binge it very easily. If I, if you were going to ask me what my one recommendation to watch is, it would be Dave. It's, It's on Hulu and FX both
0: uh jen just started for the first time watching fraser she had never seen it before uh and uh was wanted something to sort of have on while she was working very uh, jealous and it it was really funny that like she because i i watched it with my parents when it was on and uh and so she came in uh from her office and she's like hey you know that show Frasier? I was like, Yeah. She goes, It's really funny. <laughs> I <was> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was just it was funny. It's uh that like and I it's it's not a criticism or anything, like she was watching different things with her parents at the time. But like, like, yeah, you I mean, we came to that conclusion in the area of twenty five years ago, but I'm glad, you know. Better late than never.
2: After the fourth or fifth season, I think people were starting to come around and say, yeah, (laughs) this show might be on to something.
1: (laughs) Um, I'm not sure. had Had she ever
0: heard of Cheers? Yeah, but I don't know if she's watched any of that either.
2: Oh, Jesus. Well, she went backwards. Wow. She watched these out of order, didn't she? She's going to watch Cheers and go, oh, my God, what was wrong with Frazier back then? What an idiot he was. What a fucking loser.
1: And how come he didn't say anything when his dad showed up to write the jingle for Cheers? When when Kirstie Alley hired Sean Mahoney to write a jingle? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure how much of it you've been watching, uh, Tyler, but it's uh, long long been... my uh uh conviction that um on Frasier, uh bulldog briscoe is the worst character on an otherwise good show i don't think
2: that's well that's not fair when you consider bulldog isn't really <coughs> a regular character there's a lot of other ancillary or recurring characters who i think are worse than bulldog uh he is crazy. okay i'm like Crazier's- i'm looking
1: go ahead go ahead
2: fraser's son being one of them he's an awful character don't you think
0: um yeah but uh, okay uh, do you mean like 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 poorly conceived or you just he he bothers you the way he's meant to bother you because i think he's supposed to be a character that we are not on board with
2: yeah he is supposed to be annoying he's the loud annoying sports guy yeah so that part tracks but are you saying he just doesn't work and you're you, you don't yeah, like,
1: like I, I don't like to laugh like at him. I just like, I get all, I, I just cringe when when he, uh, when he shows up. Okay, so I'm looking at. <laughs> yes, he's not a, he's not a regular, but outside of the guy who played the waiter at the coffee shop. Oh, Gunther, <laughs> what's that? Wait, uh, no, that's that's about, that's, friends. that's friends. I'm talking okay, about on Fraser. Yeah. Dan Butler, Bulldog Briscoe was in more episodes than any other non-regular, except for Paul Cosimano, who played the guy at the coffee shop, who was in 142 episodes.
2: Man, that's so fucking great. I wish I had a gig like that. (laughs) Remember in the last season of How I Met Your Mother, uh, that guy who played Linus, the bartender? That was Rob Belushi, Jim Belushi's kid. I didn't know that. He had one line in every episode, but they had to cast a real actor because they kept shooting, because they didn't just use the same scene. They Mm -hmm. reshot the same scene over and over again. And I remember watching that going, because between us, Rob Belushi's a shitty actor, just like his dad. So I remember watching this and going, oh, my God, Rob Belushi fucking scored a, de- a season-long gig on a fucking major sitcom on TV, and nobody fucking noticed. How fucking <laughs> crazy is that? The, uh, before he was on that show, he was on the new Joe Schmo. He was one of the cast members on the latest Joe Schmo, okay. uh, which he was good on because he can't act.
1: <laughs> I, think I, I think I
0: see the, uh, yeah, that's something, I, I mentioned Gunther a moment ago because the idea of like, oh, the person, that, like the guy at the coffee shop, and it's like, well, I mean, we've got a character at the coffee shop, he works there, so why not just bring the same person back over and over, even though well, if the, any arcs are going to be devoted to that person?
2: Well, the best example of that is Transporter Chief O'Brien. One day, Colomini showed up on set and was reading the script and went, hey, who's Transporter Chief O'Brien? I'm the Transporter guy. And they said, yeah, we gave your character a name. That's you. (laughs) (laughs) You're now Transporter Chief O'Brien. And he was like, oh, shit. And then five years later, he's a regular on a major Star Trek show. He's now a part of Star Trek canon and will be forever. That's fucking crazy to me. I mean, he was literally an extra and then went on to be a major character in Star Trek lore—that's a big deal, I think. Maybe I like was a that Star he
0: was—I like that he was an extra that got a little bit lippy and a little bit entitled. It's like, hey, whoa, 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 easy there! I well, worked really hard for this nothing part.
2: I'm sure he leaned—he probably leaned over and whispered it to someone, unlike me. Okay. Hey, <laughs> uh, but that—that that is the story I heard. That's—that's that's the story from him. He said that's exactly how it happened. But that happens a lot. And I remember with Gunther the same thing because uh like i i remember i got cast once on an episode of ally McBeal where i didn't have any lines and it was basically just a glorified extra part but they said uh we wanted to cast actors because extras don't can't take direction and even if you know in this case we were all dancing it was like a montage of hmm. ally and her roommate dancing with a bunch of losers and so uh it was like yes the guy stayed the director told me we could have cast uh, i mean who'd you play he said we could have cast extras but in my experience they can't take direction so we're just gonna cast actual actors who we know can do simple things like dance like a loser and that's and obviously that's what they did when they cast gunther Mm because they had the foresight to say this guy's gonna be in fucking almost every episode let's get somebody who can actually act because we've all seen when that doesn't happen especially with kids uh, you know, when the kid gets old enough to act, and then you realize, oh, they're not good. Get that fucking kid out of here. Get a, get another kid who can play them in that role. They like they they lucked out on the modern on Modern Family, uh, yeah. in in the sense that she wasn't horrible. No, she's, not, so- she's not great, but she's not horrible.
1: But wait, you're talking about Lily, yeah? Because even she is the second Lily.
2: Yeah. Well, the first one was a baby, so let's. <laughs> I mean, you can't fault them for recasting a baby. All shows do that. turns out this baby can't act.
1: <laughs> but, go, oh, once boy, she, she turned two and a half and lost her looks, that baby can't act anymore. <laughs> I just
0: like the idea of these executives being like, oh, we backed the wrong horse on this one.
2: <laughs> well, even the Olsen twins are like, Jesus, neither one of them can act. <laughs> We're stuck with him. But that, like on, uh, I don't know if this has happened before, but on uh, a, a, an example is um, that Brett Butler show, Grace Under, fire. Grace under mm-hmm. fire. Yeah. The kid Quentin left the show and when he came back older he was a different actor an adult was playing him. So that often happens like they cast a little kid who is super cute and uh, but they don't all grow up to be Joey Lawrence and by the time they're 5 or 6 well um, the best example is probably fucking uh, DJ Tanner. The kid was super cute and then we all realized oh no he can't act. He sucks. And oh, so they- wait DJ Connor. I'm sorry. Yes. DJ Connor on, oh, okay, on no. Roseanne. Yeah. Michael Fishman. Michael Fishman. Who's a great guy. I've met and worked with him and he's the nicest man ever, but it's clear he was a cute kid who aged out of his cuteness and then wasn't wasn't a good actor so they kept him around to be nice but gave him nothing to do and i and obviously he hasn't gotten any better in the past 30 years because one of my favorite things about watching the Connors is watching them give him one line and seeing him totally eat it every fucking episode
1: (laughs) i have not uh watched any of the new roseanne or the or the Connors. Um, Before we move on, though, I wanted to bring up my favorite example of the person who's uh, in an entire run of the show. It doesn't really count because it's the opening titles, but I love that B.J. Porter uh, (laughs) of Mr. Show fame is technically in every episode of Angel because they used a clip of the one episode he was in in the opening. title. And even as they changed the opening title sequence to add new actors and have more updated shots, they kept his shot in, and he's in every single episode of Angel.
2: Because he's in the first episode, and he's actually in... No, it's not the first episode. First season, I mean. First season. But he's in one of the most significant episodes of the first season in my opinion because that scene of him that they use is the only scene of him in the entire episode he's a he play his character is a ghost who doesn't talk
1: so and you can't see him it's just like it's like <laughs> exactly you know so- like a, a soap br- or like a hairbrush on a string is usually what dennis is but <laughs> yeah. there is the one flashback where beth grant is sealing him up in a wall
2: yeah, it's a flashback when it's literally just that scene. So when you say, oh, BJ Porter's in that episode, you're only, you're seeing all of what he is <laughs> in that episode. But it, it's a, it's a pinnacle moment because that's the episode where Cordelia finds her own place. She mm-hmm. eventually moves into that place. That's where we realize, uh, uh, it sets a major tone for the show because just like Buffy, it shows, uh, not all, Uh, monsters are bad. Some ghosts are okay. Some demons are fine. Uh, so basically her and Dennis are roommates. And in fact, uh, it becomes less and less, but there are subsequent episodes where her and Dennis have a back and forth and they remind you, Oh yeah, she lives with a ghost. So, and I think, and honestly, in my opinion, that's the first episode of angel that actually begins the series. Everything else is just resetting from leaving Buffy up to that point. You know what I mean? Uh, you might say it's when they move into the hotel, but I think it's at that point because that's that's at that point that might even be the episode where Cordelia says, "I was the ditziest bitch in Sunnydale," <laughs> but look at me now. I I don't even have a place to live, and it's that kind of self reflection that 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 Cordelia has that make that sets the show apart even from Buffy, in my opinion, uh, because every character at some point on that show does that. They they see themselves and their world for what it really is. And, uh, I think that's what made the show, uh, a cut above other shows. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I love the fact that to hardcore film nerds, listen to you guys show for all this really boring, uh, deep dives and shit. Uh-huh. And, and even they are going to listen to this and go. Why are they talking about TV? God, this is
0: boring. <laughs> uh, I like to think that they, if they are sticking with us after the 13 years we've been doing this, they understand that every once in a while an episode is just a complete whiff. And obviously that's, <laughs> that's what we're talking right
2: now. <laughs> well, I think most of them are listening because you need to amortize those tweaked audio earbuds. <laughs> I mean, eventually they pay for themselves, but you have to keep <laughs> using them. You can't just stop listening. So. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's, better uh, oh,
0: in, it's better to invest in one good pair than just you buy a new pair every <laughs> new episode.
2: <laughs> well, that code
0: is good
1: every time. <laughs> um paul you mentioned it earlier but uh modern family are you the other person besides me who stuck with it all the way to the
2: end yeah and it's funny because you know we used to talk about it a lot on our old podcast yeah and uh and you were very passionate so every time i would watch and like i would see a scene with julie bowen where she was really funny it would remind me of the conversation we had about how the show had, what kind of lagged for a while and partly because of her because, not, not because of the actress, but because there wasn't anything for the character to do really. And then they did that thing where, and then she took over for, for Jay at the closet, which kind of solved that. But, th- but now you see at the end of this, uh, before this season was even over, she quit that, bailed on that whole thing, because obviously it, it's hard when you have, you don't want to keep writing a separate uh, a scenario. They had to obviously write more shit for her at the office. Which is never good for a show, but I think it it kind of fixed that problem, in the sense that it made her realize, oh, I need to be with my family and not with my job, and it and it made her a little more invested in the family, especially after Haley had kids and all that shit. Because uh, I think the best thing they did with this season is how even all the all the kids are grown ups. For some reason, they're all still living at home, and they're all complete fuckheads. Like, they have no idea what they're doing with their lives, right?
1: I I, I didn't like that aspect of it, because it felt, like, reverse-engineered. It felt like a way to just, like, not change the dynamic of the show, and it didn't seem like it was actually commenting on itself. I feel like the show got got lazy. I agreed that I liked, you know, about halfway through the series, what they did with Jimmy Bowen, but it also... Stopped being consistently funny. I, like, I didn't laugh that hard at all, especially this last season, except for the one that uh, Stephen Merchant was on. Because um, uh, I like, uh, like, much like Jenny watching Frazier, I like a farce. <laughs> uh, I, and, and Modern Family remained good at doing farce uh, up until the end. It's one of the few things that stayed good at, I think. But uh, for the most part, I found this last season to be a, a real bummer.
2: What did you think of the finale and the subsequent uh documentary about the finale?
1: The uh well the documentary aired before the finale, right?
2: Okay. And the preceding yeah. documentary about the finale. Uh it,
1: it seemed like the the both things were pretty cookie cutter. It pretty much felt uh just just uh wrapping up stories in in the most obvious ways that engineer a big group hug at the end and that documentary was so ridiculous because it felt like or maybe this is like like maybe this the makers of modern family the writing staff and producers really have been talking to themselves as if they're making some sort of uh, great landmark show, even in the eighth, 9th, tenth, eleventh season, as opposed to what I think they were doing, which is phoning in and running on fumes. Uh, and so I've, I felt like that that uh, that documentary was a lot of uh, blowing smoke up the viewers' ass.
2: Well, I will I will agree with that to a certain point because honestly, the thing that got me the most about the documentary, and it's one of the reasons I like the show so much, was all the stuff about the kids. And you know, sure. obviously, I have kids uh, who are grown up now. So, uh, it, it, that strikes a chord with me. And, uh, and I, I will suggest people watch it just simply because there are scenes, there are so many scenes where Aubrey is a young child. She's three or four years old and, and they, and they devote a lot of that to introducing her to the cast and, and how for a while they had to, you know, say these guys are this but they're also this and like she walks on the set and says to julie bowen hey i saw you on modern family yeah that was <laughs> a very key moment <laughs> right and it's and and i and i know from watching millions of fucking shows like yeah i remember watching an old uh doc same type of thing when the cosby show wrapped uh seeing a scene between him and very tiny raven simone and she's like going off just basically they're getting footage of her talking and She says, because you are Bill Cosby, she says to him. And he looks at her and everybody laughs. And obviously, you know, it's funny because she didn't know the difference between Bill Cosby and Cliff Huxtable and same with this. And that's, but I think that not only is that cute and funny, but then you realize all those kids did that. And, And these kids didn't, you know, live through an experience, which is super unique and when you are part of that experience, whether you're another cast member or more importantly, the producer and the man, uh, the people who created said experience, it is impossible to see what you are doing any other way than a family. They're raised, not only did they raise their own kids, they raised all the kids on these shows. So, so everybody, involved is blowing smoke up their ass but it's all genuine <laughs> because i mean Today, these, yeah. uh, these people pay, were you know earned a living and got to hang out with these same people for uh, y- y- you forget that even though being on tv is just a job you know unlike movies sometimes these fucking things don't wrap for a long long time uh, i mean uh, the aforementioned Fraser there are four people who were on every episode of that fucking show that was their life and not only them but every crew member who worked on every episode of that show every fucking pa who came in and out an intern and it and it really becomes a family so so if you're not invested obviously it's it, it, you don't feel the same way but i think i think it i guess the point i'm making is i think it was earned just for the kids alone I will. I will agree that uh, you know they were a little too precious about saying goodbye to Mitch and Cam, and and about what's going to happen with these adult characters, especially considering that everyone on this show has come from either a less or more successful sitcom, you know, almost immediately <laughs> beforehand. Uh, so they had a very a very full life before that. But to see to see how it affected the kids, because as we know, many of these kids. Uh, some of them aren't going to act again because they don't have to, but none of them are ever going to do anything even close to as good as this.
1: Um the most interesting thing uh, about the kids to me was, it would, and, and in retrospect, it should be, I should have been obvious, was that Sarah Hyland, though she plays one of the kids, is really because she was even though she started playing at high school or she was already like in her early twenties when the show started. So she, yeah. when you see the behind the scenes, she's clearly one of the adults. She's like, <laughs> she's like friends with Julie Bowen. she's like, and like the younger siblings are, are friends, but uh, Sarah Hyland is a, a she. Eats lunch with a different click behind the camera than she does uh, like on camera. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, yeah, because she, uh, I guess
2: she has uh, she has a, a some sort of condition that makes her a small person. Uh, so yeah. She, Wait, is that true? Yeah, she it's uh, she has she's been sick for a long. She has a de- uh, I want to say it's a degenerative thing, like something about her organs, uh, like kind of oh, like wow. Gary, like Gary Coleman had, but not uh, not that specific. But yeah, she has a lot of health problems. Uh, that's why she's so small. But the other thing about that documentary that I loved seeing, and again, this is probably something that, all, that very few people relate to. I do because I was an actor in Hollywood for a long time. The story that uh, Al Bundy tells about when he was auditioning for the show and he told, he told his agent straight up, uh, you have to at least tell them that I'm not going to take this show at least tell them that I have no interest in being on this show because it's at the very least, it's rude for me to go in and read for them and not tell them that. And they were like, sure. So he is going in reading for the show for no fucking reason. He tells his agent, I have zero interest in doing a half-hour sitcom ever again, so make sure they know that going in. And yet, after he read it, he went, eh, this is pretty good. Okay. And, and then the producers say, you know, they read the whole list of people who auditioned for all these roles. And aside from uh, Mitchell, which there was like six people, as opposed to everyone else, where it was like 20, the only role that was cast, of course, was Jay. They knew they wanted Al Bundy for that role from day one. And the funny thing is, I think we can agree, they probably w- would have done the show had he, not, had he not been on it, but it wouldn't have been anywhere near as fucking good. That show would have been half as funny and would have lasted half as long if Al Bundy wasn't the star of that show. That's a fact. Well, that's that's funny.
1: You mentioned um, saying that none of the other uh, uh, these young actors will go on to do anything as significant. You never know because Ed O'Neill was on two different shows that both lasted 11 seasons. That's very very rare. And it reminds me, because I'm going to keep steering the conversation back to Angel for some reason. um, That's what you do. But what I feel like David Boreanaz experience as an actor is the exact opposite of whatever everyone else experiences, because he's never been in a show that didn't go like he went from Buffy to angel to bones to now what's it called? Navy seals or seal team or whatever, which is still on. He can't, that guy can't, he's like, he's like a golden ticket. If you cast David Boreanaz on a show, it's going to go at least four seasons.
2: The funny thing is, well, it's like I said about Diedrich Bader, that happens more with supporting actors. Um, who was that that young lady who was on uh georgia fox i think is her name she was on the west wing right Mm -hmm. and then she got killed on the west wing and then uh, or then she was on er and then she immediately went on to csi csi yeah and she was like that where she had all and i remember reading an article with uh george Eads, who was also on csi and he said man she's so lucky i've been on three shows that all got canceled (laughs) this is the first because he was on uh savannah you remember that show savannah i
1: don't know it
2: was it was like melrose place but it was set in georgia uh jamie lunar was the big star but it was what
1: city in georgia
2: <laughs> but it was on Macon? the, w- it a was on the WB. It was on WB. It was an early WB show. That's how long ago it was. But he was on all these, like all these shows that failed. And then she just tro- strolls over to CSI. Hi, guys. This is my third hit show. Because by that time, CSI was already a huge hit, and they just inserted her on it. And it's it, it's funny how actors will do that. uh Just go from show to show. And yeah, David Boreanaz. And what's even funnier is. If you look at the quality of shows, like clearly Angel is his best. Bones is okay. That's current show is bullshit.
1: I have never watched it.
2: fucking unwatchable. (laughs) That show is specifically uh, when uh, Les Moonves got in trouble and got fired. That was the show that people used as an excuse as uh, when I came in and pitched him my great show about women. He said no and instead put on this show about army guys. That's the show they're talking about. That's a fucking Les Moonves show, one hundred percent.
0: Phil, it's it's uh, it's popular, of course. Uh, so Jen and I still watch uh, Survivor, of course. Me too. And so we see a lot of uh, commercials for that show. And I was like, this is nothing about this appeals to me, except maybe its cast. But it's just this is not my kind of show. And then, but then you see. CBS just seems to exist in its own world. Like, it's it's where blue bloods can last for like 15 years and still be going. Uh, like, I, I recognize that CBS cancels shows, I just can't think of any. Uh, it's it's almost as though like, if they greenlight you, you're good for a while at least, because yeah. at all, your viewership is gonna fall asleep before they can change the channel.
2: Well, yeah, that's a big part of it because they, they learned long ago Uh, back, I think, back when Moonlight was on, that old people, I guess maybe it was, uh, I think it was probably back when Murder, She Wrote was popular. Mm -hmm. They learned because Friends was, what everybody was watching at 8 o'clock on Thursday nights. But then CBS put on Murder, She Wrote, Opposite Friends, and it did really well. And it's called counter-programming. Because all the old people wanted something to watch. And they realized, oh, let's put on these shows for old people. And let's do it on Friday nights when old people are home and not out. And so they put on shit like Moonlight and they redo Hawaii Five O and Magnum P.I. and McDiver and, and, and which is stars George Eads, by the way. Uh, and they fucking and the old people love it and they turn it on and they watch it. Plus, they, I don't know if you guys have ever watched any local CBS news, but here in Arizona, they don't even refer to themselves as CBS Channel 2 News. They refer to themselves as uh, Arizona's family. Let that sink in. Every at, at least fo- ten times during a newscast, they will say, "Welcome back to Arizona's family." He, good, sending it over to Cindy Pickle on Arizona's family. Thanks for watching Arizona's family. They say that over and over again because old people are watching and want to feel like they're part of Arizona's family. That's what CBS does. But you're fucking right. What? You reboot shows like MacGyver, Magnum PI, and Y5O and make all of them suck so bad that they make you want to watch the originals.
0: Well, and that's the thing is, that, <laughs> like, certainly I, I can't speak to Y5O, but I can, but like, Magnum and MacGyver, like, those are shows that are so identified with their lead actor.
2: And good. It's not like they were corny
0: or they oh, were. MacGyver you know, was a little corny.
2: But still, uh, uh, oh, like you watch it, and it's not like a, it was only corny in the sense that it, a show had never done that. There's a, a very hook, but a, there's a very big hook. But part of the uh, the 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 point of MacGyver was that you could do all this shit. It sure. was re- it was realistic. So I mean, it, it's not like you watch it now and go, Jesus, that's stupid. In fact, they brought the shows back. Yeah. So. Uh, so the, it's not like they're out of date. Like I've I rewatched, you know, we talked about binging shows. And even before the uh, the lockdown, I binged, I rewatched The Office over the summer and I fucking loved it. I rewatched Parks and Rec, of course, and it was amazing. Just as good as the first time. But some shows like 30 Rock, I tried to watch and I was like, wow, this isn't near as funny as it was the first time.
0: And- I don't know. I don't know if I agree with you on that one. Uh, it might be, it's, it loses some of its novelty, but to me, that relationship between Liz and Jack is every bit as solid as it as it was.
2: I agree, it's the rest of the show that doesn't make sense to me. It's, it's just like the world has moved on from the way everybody treats each other. I understand it's a heightened, ridiculous world, but that world is no longer okay, you know what I mean? Mm. Especially her, because she's the boss, uh, much like that show. Um, but I'm just saying it felt <laughs> weird to watch it again. And I think, uh, uh, and uh, the the old MacGyver, the old Magnum PI, even the old Y5O, they still hold up because even though they're very, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is, even though they're very identifiable, especially the shows shot in Hawaii, you know, you can tell what they are and why they're, they're products of the seventies and the eighties and whatever. It's not like they're the fucking banana splits or something. It's not like a show where they're constantly talking about what's going on in the world or they're using old flip phones or, you know, it's not like shit sticks out. That doesn't make any sense. Or they're just saying stupid shit that we all know isn't true anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they still hold up in terms of, I guess, in terms of like gravitas and believability. Um, and, and, you can watch those now. Whereas if you watch, I think if you go like in 10 years, if you watch the new version of Magnum PI or MacGyver, I tried to watch the new MacGyver. I thought it was bullshit. I was like, I don't buy any of this. I bought the old one. This one, I don't buy it mainly because this kid's like, what, 25 years old? Fuck that kid, he's not smarter than me. Jackass.
0: Did I, I, don't, I don't remember if I mentioned this to you because it wasn't a few years ago, but uh, when I went back to school, uh, I, I took a, a TV history class, which was really fascinating. And so every week we would have a lecture, and then we would go down to like the, the, the screening room at the school, and we would watch uh, a TV show. And so we watched an episode of uh, Rockford Files, and uh, there comes a moment where like, the students are aware that the instructor has left to go to their office and that's when the students are like, all right, we can now duck out of the screening. We got enough of it. And then we can just go back to our life. So by the end, by the time, uh, that episode of Rockford Files was over. I was like the only one in the screening room because, and I saw people get up and I thought, like, am I going to get up or am I going to keep watching Rockford, Rockford Files? I'm like, I'm going to keep watching it because I'm invested. I really want to see how this shakes out. And there's just something, <laughs> I, I don't want to be one of those people. It's like, ah, the good old days or anything like that. Cause that was on even before I was born. Yeah. But there is just something about like the watchability of like, or building an entire, uh, an entire show around, um, james garner who was just kind of this craggy guy already even when he was young and it just like you said it it has a feeling of gravitas that i think it might not be as hip as the new macgyver or the new magnum pi but i feel like those those old shows they just it felt like they had something to like you can really grab onto, you know?
2: Yeah, well, there was, you know, obviously there, I've talked about this uh, a million times throughout my life and career, but a big thing in the 70s for cop shows and detective shows was to give them, uh, make them have a problem, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, give them something wrong with them. In some cases, it was literally literally a physical disability. Ironside was in a wheelchair, Uh, Longstreet was blind, uh, Columbo was retarded or whatever his problem was. He had one eye. He definitely had one eye. So, (laughs) so, so there was that. Um, and yet he
0: could see through people's lives,
2: right? McLeod. Uh, he was a hillbilly, um, McMillan wife. He had a wife (laughs) burn. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but there was that was a big thing. Beretta. He was super short. But for James Garner, uh, for Rockford, it was just he was a loser beginning to end. Yeah. Lou and I mean in his personal life, in his professional life, everything. He lived in a trailer where he that he squatted in a parking lot. He he he. Which, that's the crazy thing. If you watch Rockford Files today, so much of it is unbelievable because you couldn't get away with almost all of it. Right. Like, he lives, he moved his trailer to a parking lot in Malibu and just lives there and nobody has a problem with it he doesn't pay rent nobody ever bothers him I don't know if you've ever been to a parking lot in Malibu but they're pretty full most of the time uh, but for him no one has a problem it's it's a tiny trailer he sleeps in a smaller than single bed I don't know if you've ever seen his bed but it's yeah. not even a single bed it's like a cot uh, he has a answering machine which people don't even know what those are anymore. He has a gun that he rarely uses. He keeps it in his coffee holder because coffee grounds soak up moisture. So it keeps the gun from getting wet. Uh, He's always getting beat up, constantly getting beat up, (laughs) punched in the face and kidnapped. There's one episode where he gets kidnapped and put on a plane to Mexico. And he, he gets off the plane in Mexico. He doesn't even have a shirt on. (laughs) <laughs> and he, and the first thing he sees is a taco stand, and he walks over and goes, hey, two tacos, and realizes he doesn't have a wallet. It's <laughs> fucking great. But, but my point is, uh, shows like that, where they make the main character so flawed, almost unlikable, are so rare now. And whereas, like, Magnum P.I., you know, even though he was great looking and he had this great car at his disposal and shit, he was still kind of a fuckhead. And he, and he was constantly arguing with Higgins and, you know, at the, I don't know if you remember the beginning of Magnum PI, uh, there was a lot a big storyline about how, you know, they were all Vietnam vets and uh, Magnum had a lot of flashbacks for the first season or so. So, that's like, a, that's like a cool guy, you know what I mean? And, and, he, and but, he's, but he's super flawed. Now, the new MacGyver and the new fucking Magnum, they're all gorgeous and young and they can fucking scuba dive and fly and shoot beams out their eyes. Like, what the fuck? I, I don't know if you guys heard, but Will Forte is working on a, a, a TV show version of MacGruber. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a done deal. And it's, I think it's going to be on Netflix or something. But that means this is the first time that a parody of a show has been on while the show it's parodying is currently on. Have you guys ever heard of that? It's like if the Bionic Woman was a parody of the $6 million man. Like, this is going to be a show on another network making fun of a show that's currently airing on a different network. That I, I,
1: I can't think of anything that that specific. Obviously, there's shows like Soap was a parody of shows that were on at the time, but not of one in particular.
0: No, Um, And
1: like Studio
0: 60 on the Sunset Strip was like like sort of a drama parody of 30 Rock uh, in that it was uh, But that
2: wasn't intentional, dumbass. Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) Considering those shows premiered the same season. Remember, speaking of that, remember when we all read about those shows and went, oh, poor Tina Fey. (laughs) she thought of the same show as aaron sorkin did no one's gonna watch it and then a week later we all went ah poor aaron sorkin (laughs) made that garbage tv show that nobody likes whereas tina fey wrote this fucking hilarious piece of comedy i remember reading an interview where people said that to her people were like oh i'm so sorry to hear about that aaron sorkin show bad timing huh and she was like they're different shows i think we can both exist and turns out
1: she was wrong. That
2: kid. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. only good shows. It turns out only good shows can exist.
1: Really oh, shitty if I, ones. If only that were true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Oh wait, sorry. Paul's on. taking a call.
2: Yeah, Spock. Uh, we're about done here. Okay, so beam me up in like a couple minutes. Okay, thanks. Got it. Right.
1: Um, <sighs> I'm just. Uh, I just want to go back to a couple weeks ago when we were
2: oh, talking to i'm getting a call hold on <laughs> yes yeah, spot well i said give me a couple minutes asshole i didn't say immediately fuck you spot i'm sorry
1: uh, do you remember a couple weeks ago we had matt Belknap on and we were talking about how uh, parts of tommy boy aged poorly because uh, he uses the word retard yeah and here we are two weeks later and Paul has uh, taken us back
2: <laughs> to I the problematic saying, 90s i did not say the word retard i used uh. this i said retarded oh that's different well yes because people are retarded what do you call someone no, who's retarded
1: you don't call them that anymore we don't do use that term them? anymore okay uh, what de- do you call them doctor i, I guess uh developmentally disabled or child mentally right. challenged. challenged my strength yeah. yeah. my
2: strength has a retarded son and she constantly says i have a son who has mental retardation that's close enough to retarded to me <laughs>
1: I guess, hey, maybe that's the way that uh, you and all of Arizona's family do it, but uh, <laughs> well, here in the here in the enlightened left coast.
2: More yeah, importantly, Lord. I was I was referring to somebody who is clearly retarded. I wasn't. That that's a, not the word. I, it's not the I word wasn't we use in To defame saying. him, I, was I know that I was making a diagnosis. David, what did you? What was
0: the end game here? What did you think was going to happen by he you forgot, this? He forgot who we were. Is what that, hey whoa whoa, whoa. Hang <laughs> on man. I forgot who but, me
1: and him were. Is what I mean. Okay, yeah. thank you. you no, I was thinking about the uh, the listeners. I want them to know sure. that I uh, yes. uh, you, don't you... don't sign off on 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 Paul's backwards. You... He, what? what Paul's doing now is like saying what
2: do, what did I say wrong? I love the Orientals. <laughs> 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 That's essentially what you're saying right now. Yes, <laughs> many of my friends are slants. <laughs> what I'm saying oh. is. Oh. What I'm saying oh. is, any listeners who go, "Oh, Paul Goebel's the guest on this episode," fully expect anything that happened here. Today. That is
0: probably true. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's. Okay. It's a good thing we haven't gotten any new listeners in the last five years. Um, <laughs> that's probably true, actually. Um, all right. Yes. Uh, that is it for for us, uh, Paul. This was eighty uh, percent a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Me too. Uh, just remember, if you're stuck at home with nothing to watch, you can always stream Not Another Teen Movie starring me as the fat short order cook. It's probably uh, the best two bucks you'll ever spend on Amazon. <laughs> there's, actually a know- bunch of, there's a bunch of my stuff on it. If you have Amazon Prime, you can watch that wrestling movie I did. Uh, oh, yeah. they, re- they recut it and put in a laugh track, so it's really hard to watch. Ooh. Yeah, it's bad. But also, you can watch my episode of Will and Grace over and over again. That's everywhere that Will and Grace is. Uh, You can watch. Oh shit! Um, I don't know. You guys know um, what's his name? Matt. uh, uh, He's a podcaster, but he just had John Lurie on his on his podcast. Oh, Matt Dwyer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it reminded me. They talked about fishing with John, and it reminded me of when you were nice enough to loan me that DVD, and everybody watched it and went, "Wow, Tyler is a cool guy." Hey, all right. <laughs> that that made you that gave you a lot of cred in my house.
0: Yeah, I was. Uh, I saw that. Uh, yeah, we uh, we had Matt Dwyer on the show many years ago, and uh, and I'm Facebook friends with him, and I saw that he got John Lurie. I'm like, that is a, that is a rare get. He is not right to get a hold of. So, so I haven't listened to it yet but uh, but I think I'm going
2: to. Yeah, and I'm rarely impressed with anything especially when it has to do with podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so to get to get John Lurie, I mean I'm sure most 98% of uh, Americans don't wouldn't give a fuck, but to people who know, yes, getting John Lurie, just the fucking imagine if you had him on your podcast. How many stories would you want him to tell? I know. It's... All of them. I yeah. want to hear every fucking story you have, man.
0: I would do an entire episode on Fishing with John
2: alone. <laughs> Just that alone. And yeah. the funny thing is, each episode of Fishing with John has like 100 great stories in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so crazy to me. That, And I guess, you know, I've always been disdainful of podcasts, mainly because... I did so many of them. How hard can it be if I was so, <laughs> if I made so many? But I think now, what you know, th- what you guys are doing, and uh, and it took a while for people to catch up, but especially. Uh, like the networks, you know, Seth, uh, Seth Meyers and, and news people and people who are realizing we don't need an audience to do our show. <laughs> we, we don't necessarily, we, we don't, I mean, it's like SNL Pete Carpenter straight up said it's weird without an audience, but obviously they've done two shows without one. You yeah. don't really need one and the audience doesn't care. I mean, speaking as an audience member, I'm enjoying the show more because I don't have to hear a bunch of fuckheads laugh at shit that's not funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and I can enjoy it on my own terms. Seth Meyers, I don't know if you guys watch Seth Meyers, but his shows are amazing now because mm. it's just him and his addict doing his monologue, doing his mm. uh, A Closer Look. And then he has great uh, interviews, same with Trevor Noah. And they don't have to pander to the uh, – Pander is not a a, a good word to use because it's just natural for performers to extend, you know, to perform for the audience that's in front of them. But when you don't have that audience in front of you, you don't have to be a clown, you know, and you can be more earnest and concentrate on the jokes and also get your point across, which is, you know, what a lot of these comedians and SNL and shows are trying to do anyways. And I think this is the fucking way to go. Man, I want to see movies at my out like I'll go watch Godzilla on the big screen when I can, but I think we've all proven that you don't need to leave your house for much.
1: I think <laughs> this coming from Paul Goebbel, the expert on performing for no audience <laughs> <laughs> Good times. <laughs>
2: All right. I've thank made you, an entire career on entertaining <laughs> nobody.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Paul. You can find us at battleshipretention.com. You can uh th- this week uh we're still we have reviews of the movies that are premiering on on streaming josh reviewed deerskin uh uh which i also saw and quite liked um you can uh email us at david at battleship pretension.com or tyler battleship pretension.com you can follow me david on twitter at davy pretension you can follow tyler at tyler pretension tyler do you have any anything else to plug right now
0: uh, the most recent episode of More than One Lesson, um, I talk with uh, one of my writers, Bob Connolly, uh, just talking about the various movies and TV shows that uh, that we like. and uh, it was it was a lot of fun.
1: And I uh, also wanted to mention the Patreon. This week on the Patreon, uh, we we uh, picked a chunk of our top uh, our respective top tops one hundred films of all time, and and we counted down our fifteen through eleven top 100 uh, 50 through eleven films of all time. Um, People seem to really enjoy it, and we enjoyed doing it. Yeah, uh, Paul, do you have anything to plug, like? Uh, like the hair plug that you're wearing now?
2: <laughs> well, uh, I got kicked off Twitter a while ago, so, uh, and I'm currently... I can't in, imagine why. And I am currently in the Facebook jail, but you can follow me on Instagram. Since leaving uh, show business, I started an Instagram account, and uh, I took pictures of stuff in my uh, collection, my toy and mm. collectibles collection. So if you are interested in that, there's a bunch of awesome pictures on my Instagram feed. Yeah. at Paul Goebel Show. Um, uh, but I am on Facebook if you want to be my friend. I'm currently in facebook jail i'll be out in three days but uh if you want to be my friend i i run some uh some uh, i do a ga- live game show here in in phoenix and uh i'll probably be doing some of that and also like live team trivia I, I was hosting team trivia and i've i've come up with a way to do it on the internet so if you're interested in competing and uh, and playing trivia and all that shit be my friend on facebook and i'll let you know when that has happened
1: all right All right, well, thank you for being here,
2: Paul. Thank you guys for having me. This is just like old times. Yep. A little too much.
1: (laughs) Thank you (laughs) at home for listening. We'll get you next time.
2: Go fuck yourself. (laughs)